Hello and welcome to Constructing Mindsets, discussing the building blocks of our mental health. This week we're discussing depression with our own Hannah Shapkins. Depression is a low mood that lasts for a long time and affects your everyday life. 24% of women and 13% of men in England are diagnosed with depression in their lifetime, but there are so many other sufferers who don't disclose it. Depression also often co-occurs with other mental health issues. With these statistics so high, we felt it really important to touch upon this subject. And so we welcome Hannah today, who's going to tell us a bit more about her experience. Hannah, thank you so much for being able to share your story with us today. Um, first of all, just tell us about depression, how it came about for you, how you did or didn't recognise the signs. Um, yeah, so it started for me about seven years ago now. Um, and it happened, it sort of triggered um, from a couple of major life events happening at once. Um, one of them was being given my dream job and on the same day I found out that my mum had about seven months to live and actually had terminal cancer. And my body didn't really know what to do with itself and um, I basically stopped functioning as a human. Um, I stopped being able to be social, I just... I like I stopped feeling altogether like I just seemed to lose all sense of any kind of emotion like I couldn't be happy for the job but I was really also struggling to be sad I just felt nothing and um, it took me a few weeks to realize that I needed to get help for it and during those three weeks I wouldn't leave my room so I was at university at the time I wouldn't leave my room I used to lock the door and pretend I wasn't in so that my housemates would leave me alone I would eat at weird times, which I think we mentioned briefly on a previous podcast. So I'd have food delivered at like one o'clock in the morning um, because I didn't want to have to see anyone else. So this meant I didn't have to see anyone in the house because they'd be asleep. And I'd usually eat quite badly, which, as it found out later, made the problem a lot worse. I used to basically just binge eat um, and then not eat for ages. Um, I stopped sleeping. Um, I'd go days without sleep and then suddenly crash at like two o'clock in the afternoon one day. I stopped showing up to uni and things like that and that was when I realised that my whole personality had like shifted in the space of about three weeks. I'd gone from being someone who like never missed a university session to being someone who just didn't seem to care anymore. Um, and that's when I went to get help, that's when I went to a therapist. Um, but when I went home to see my parents over the Easter holidays, um, they kept telling me that it wasn't a problem. That depression wasn't a thing I didn't need to worry about it so I stopped seeing my therapist and it actually was a couple more years before I really addressed it again so I ended up living with it for a few more years and really struggling to do a lot of social things to feel myself to like even leave the house there was a lot of times I really couldn't even leave the house um because I was so convinced that it wasn't a problem that I wasn't ill because that's what everyone else around me was saying and then a couple of years later I went back to the doctors, got myself a medication and went through uh, several different types of therapy um, to get to where I am now, which is someone who feels very much in control of uh, that side of my personality. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's really great that you're now more in control of, of that part of your life and how it affects you. You touched on some really important elements there, particularly around what you were doing before maybe you recognised it was depression, so that binge eating and then not eating for you know a long period of time, really struggling with sleep, 
um, which we see quite a lot in people um, that have depression. And then, you know, not turning up to university and social events, which is this increasing form of, you know, becoming more and more hermit-like in your existence, because it's really difficult to cope with those social parts of your life. Um, so these are all kind of really important warning signs for other people. Louise, as a mental health first aider, what do you do to recognise the signs, particularly I'm thinking in the workplace, um, and are there specific ways people can help to do that? Yeah, so Hannah touched on some really kind of key points there that depression isn't just being sad. So we all have bad days, we all have sad days, um, and like we mentioned in the introduction, it's that, that low mood that lasts a long time and affects your everyday life. But it's not necessarily that you feel sad. You could just feel nothing. Um, so it's quite hard to spot in other people. A lot of people will use the flippant term, oh, I'm depressed or this, that. And, you know, they're having a sad day, they're crying a lot, such like. Actually, people with depression might just be kind of drifting through life, kind of doing what they can. Um, and they might not feel any emotion whatsoever. So it's not easy to pinpoint kind of from mental health first aid in the sense that there's someone crying in the corner that you need to go and go and check on it might be the person that's just kept their head down and is avoiding other things so kind of I guess key symptoms you can maybe recognize in yourself or in people you sit next to is just that withdrawal and change like Hannah mentioned in personality so it might be that you know they used to come to lunch with you and they don't want to anymore they used to come to other social events don't want to anymore um maybe they used to do hobbies after work and talk about them and all of a sudden they don't talk about them anymore because they might have just lost all interest in what they were doing um so it's not a kind of clear cut oh they're sad and therefore you know they must have depression because actually it's probably not that at all um but there's other kind of symptoms we can pick up on ourselves so as with a lot of mental illness you also get kind of physical ailments as well and people will put it down to kind of a physical illness rather than a mental one but actually with depression you can get aches and pains um you can get a loss of appetite so you might think you're feeling sick so you don't have an appetite but actually it's the depression causing that so there's a lot of kind of unusual ones that you wouldn't necessarily relate to a mental illness and actually quite a lot of them are linked to depression unfortunately yeah that's really interesting and we've touched upon in previous episodes the link between like the mind and the gut and the rest of the body um it's really important to note that these you know any mental illness that you can have can manifest itself physically and you know that means that you've got to address both things and recognize that they might be linked which isn't always easy to do it's actually really difficult to do um hannah these warning signs that we've discussed are these things that you can now recognize in yourself more easily or is it do these change a lot for you now you know how to deal with them in different ways um it's definitely something i recognize now so like louise was saying you do get the physical side so i get really nauseous uh, that's one of my warning signs now is if i start to feel really really sick um i usually know that's what's happening is that a potential depressive episode is coming sometimes that happens because i forgot to take my medication things like there's things i can really see um loss of sleep again sleep's usually my first trigger um if i start not being able to sleep through the night that's usually when i know it's coming um i didn't really notice them at the time like it's been one of those things where as i've learned more about depression i've realized that that's what was happening those signs were appearing but i wasn't i didn't really know a lot about depression before i got it it was one of those things you're not you're not really talked about it ever so it was one of those things i kind of like learned in hindsight and now 
yeah, I know that they're the specific um, things that trigger me. Um, but at the time, I just thought like the whole world was out to get me and that it was on everyone else to make my life better, that they were the ones who were making it worse. And I also had a lot of feelings around being a problem. That came up quite a lot. Like I was the problem in everyone's life as well and that I needed to just be gone kind of thing. So it's a very strange, it was a very strange place to be in. Um, but it's good now that I've taken time to really learn and understand it. And I think whether you have it or not, that's a really important thing to do because now I know when a bad episode is coming and I can get all of my self-care things in place so that it's not as bad as it has been previously. Yeah, that's really great. And it's actually really interesting, the point you mentioned there about, you know, we're not taught about this. Um, at least we weren't. I know that I never learned about this in any form of my education. Going into the workplace now in the last few years, there's been a lot more conversation about it. Um, and it's raising that awareness. Do you kind of, do you think it's better now? Do you think you've got more awareness of this and people are better educated? I think um, there's a lot more people speaking out about it. So, but I think there's still quite a big thing where people are like, oh, this is their thing and it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem. They don't, like, there's people teaching about it, but I don't think, like, the internal reflection's necessarily happening. Yeah. It happened to a lot of people, especially with lockdown happening. There's a lot of people who start to see those symptoms in. And you know that they know what it's like, especially people who know me because they've been here supporting me this whole time. So I know that they're educated in it, but they... It's, it's the bit that's, I think, struggling now is also that um, relating it back to yourself and actually, like, looking at how you're feeling and whether it links to back to any of those things. Yeah, and I think, I guess it's the important part of recognising that we need to educate ourselves and each other about this because you never know if you, a friend, a family member, a work colleague, will suffer with it. And so we need to be prepared in that instance and really understand how we prevent these things happening, how we support others that are going through depression. Um, you know, it's really important, which kind of leads me on to my next point of what do you think for you, Hannah, what support can other people provide you or did they when you were having your, I guess, when you have depressive episodes to help you get through it? Because it's not always what people might think is the right thing to do, it might not be what you think actually helps you.
that's when I started to see a really positive change. Yeah, that's that's really great. And I think there's quite often that when you look kind of looking inside yourself before looking what other people think and it goes back to what is quite common it's very flippant use of the term depression so you've got other people that have a specific view on it and look at it very differently but when you are depressed it's very serious it impacts upon your life hugely and it's really difficult to try and bring others along with you and understand how you're feeling so the easiest way that you have control over what you might do to solve that and get through it is by looking inside yourself. I think the flippant use of it um, also really minimises the like how severe the problem is. Yeah. Because people are just you know oh I've, you know when they're feeling a bit sad they're like oh I feel a bit depressed today and it just becomes um, like we want to normalise the conversation around mental health obviously but there's points where it's being used incorrectly and then people who are actually depressed. Um, it's really hard to not see it as something super trivial because everyone talks about it in such a trivial, small way um, or not to get the help that they really need because they're like, oh, you know, depression's just when people feel sad, like Louise was saying earlier. So I think it's it's really important because you, you find the same with other conditions like OCD is another one which can be quite flippantly used. And I think it really minimises how severe the impact of that illness is on on people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um and thinking about, well, especially in a COVID world that we're in at the moment, lots of people will be feeling these symptoms themselves of depression and with the anxiety around their jobs, the economy, you know, all of that sort of financial security, um, their family. And then companies are trying to or need to support those individuals to, you know, get back into their workplaces potentially or maintain that that home working balance. There's going to be a lot of challenges coming out of that and potentially a lot of people will be suffering from depression and need support. Louise, what can companies do to, I guess, reach out to those individuals, help them through depression or indeed prevent that from happening in the long term? So, I mean, there's a lot of different things companies can do, but top one is kind of creating the culture um, for talking about it. So, removing that flippant use of the term and actually educating on what it is and educating on the signs and symptoms, but not just doing it as kind of like a oh, tick box, I did it, you know, I don't have to do it anymore. Then actually looking at what the next steps are. So, I think we notice a lot across the industry that people are encouraged to take their annual leave when they have kind of a period of depression to help them get over it. But the problem with that is that then when, you know, they just, they've maybe come out of the, the trough of depression, they're in a good place and they just need a rest because, you know, work's busy, we all need a rest. They then don't have any annual leave to use and then that can kickstart another cycle. Um, so if companies can, it's kind of understanding how kind of sickness policies can be for both mental illness as well as physical illness. And obviously we don't want people taking them because you know there's nothing in place to stop them getting to that point but if they need to take them they need to take them um and not questioning it so i think if someone turns around and says you know i feel sick i need a day off everyone's like sure i don't want you in the office you feel sick but if you say you're feeling depressed and you need a duvet day or you just need a day to recoup do you feel that self-care hannah talked about i think there's always a bit of a stigma still there about oh are you sure like just put yourself together, come in, that that is really unhelpful. And actually it doesn't even have to be top company level, it could be a line manager, just understanding, you know, 
yes, okay, I, I understand that. Um, I understand you need time to yourself. Can I do anything? Like Hannah says, ask what the person needs. The person might need to be in work so they don't sit in kind of a cycle at home of kind of self-looking. Some people need that workplace and shouldn't be like forced to go off. So there's so many different things. And like we've all been saying, depression is such a spectrum. It can be mild, so low spirits, or it can actually be a fatal condition. Uh, if we go to the kind of furthest end of it, it can lead to suicidal thoughts. So we need to take it seriously. We need to get rid of the flippant use. We need to educate ourselves both at management level, but also at individual level. Um, and things like mental health first aiders can, can really help with that. Though, obviously, with the homeworking, it's a lot harder for us to spot individuals that are struggling because we're not seeing anyone. Um, but if we just open up the conversation, it opens avenues for people to, to reach out if they need to. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And the creating the culture to talk is so important because you then create a very honest, open, unjudgmental environment in the workplace that people actually feel comfortable talking about these things and feel comfortable addressing them when they know it might be an issue rather than letting it fester, making it worse. Um, and then you actually probably get hit by the more severe end of the depression potentially if you're not addressing it early and you know allowing people to take the time or get the help that they need at, at the right time. Um, and then kind of talking about what that help is, people that suffer from depression, you know, they can get therapy, counselling, medication. There's a wide range of different things. And, and as Hannah said previously, you know, it's tailored to the individual and what they're going through and what works for them. Um, Hannah, there is a stigma around medication. And we have discussed this previously with John Casey, who was on the podcast, when it's very strange because medication for any other physical ailment would never be questioned, but for mental ailments it is. Where do you think this stigma comes from? And you know, for you, how has medication helped your kind of journey with depression? That's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, as I said before, I didn't take medication for a really long time. I was offered it and everyone like in my family and friends were like oh don't take it don't take it like it's bad to take it don't take the medication and um, but when I did like it has been life-changing because I started off on quite a high dose um and now I'm down to a very small low dose um and I've tried to come off them a few times unfortunately for me it hasn't worked and I've had to go back on them but I know a lot of people that have come off them and they've been a temporary thing and I think part of the stigma around them is this thing that people think that they're gonna have to be on them forever which isn't true Yes, in my case, I've been on them for a while, unfortunately, but it's they're not this thing that you necessarily have to do forever. But I also think um, a lot of it's to do with just the way medication and like drugs and things are spoken about in general. Um, anything that potentially messes with your brain, people seem to have a really big aversion to. Um, and I think part of that's probably because trying to understand like how your brain functions is quite complex and quite scary. So it's not like where you're supporting um, other parts of your body um, and you can kind of see it and like, like if you broke your like leg, you kind of understand and see the mechanics of it, you know, whereas within inside your head and inside your brain, it's not as easy to, to see physically what that medication is doing or what it's stopping like, like you would like with paracetamol or something like, like there's a pain and I'm removing it. I don't, 
I think part of it is just the it not being as tangible as um, other things that we'd medically treat for. Yeah, that's a really good point, and hopefully it allows our listeners to understand why medication is used and why there shouldn't be stigma around it because it is a lifeline for a lot of people that suffer from depression and it's there to balance a chemical imbalance in your brain and it can actually completely transform the way that people feel from going depressed to not feeling depressed and if that is the solution then why should we question that because we shouldn't attach stigma around what works for people and what doesn't work. No I think it's really interesting that people um, would rather that people felt unwell and sad than get help to make it better like this is the other thing that really confused me was that there was a thing that was was being offered to me that could help and like I said before I can tell the days where I've forgotten to take it like it's very very obvious to me but the other option is to be in a really horrible place and maybe that's through the education but I just think it's one of those things where you're like if your loved one could feel better why wouldn't you want that for them yeah absolutely It's, it's a really strange one isn't it how um, how well how human behaviour works when we don't understand something fully um, and we sort of project what we think or we project our fears onto things and that, that kind of realises itself in a stigma. Yeah, and I think that's a thing to remember when people are talking to you about it, if you're discussing it with people, whether you should be on medication or not, is that if they're not a medical doctor, then it's projection of their own feelings about it and not necessarily what should happen and remembering the difference. Yeah. Louise, is there anything that you've kind of experienced as a mental health first aider around drugs um, for depression or kind of any stigma around it? I definitely think there's a stigma still. And, and like I said, if it's if it's going to make someone feel better, then you kind of wouldn't question it. It's like if someone has a headache, you don't question why they're taking paracetamol, which is just what they take. Um, but I think it's also really important to say that you know, some people just don't want to take medication, and that could be f- physical too. Um, and there are other kind of treatments available as well. So there's things like talking therapies and counselling, and it can be one to one. It can be in group. Um, there's courses available kind of where you can go to group therapy, and they just kind of explain about the mechanics behind it, and also how you can look after yourself to to bring yourself kind of round for a period, and that alone can really work for some people but if that doesn't work for you then medication is also a great option it wouldn't have been invented if it it wasn't a success it wouldn't be allowed if it wasn't regulated so I mean I don't know why there's a stigma there if it I know in the past there was a lot of stigma around it because of the side effects but that was back kind of mid 1900s kind of up to what the 70s 80s and actually nowadays the side effects are
regardless of what the problem is, then that's the culture we need. And I think another way to think about it is like if you had like a stiff muscle, right, you'd take some paracetamol to relieve the pain like a little bit so that you could do the other form of therapy for that stiff muscle, which is the stretching, because sometimes just relieving that pain even a little bit allows you to do the movement you need to make it better. And it was the same with medication. Like I said, I tried talking therapies first and it, it didn't necessarily work for me. And then I went to medication, but I did the talking therapies as well. Um, and it was it like brought me out enough that I could actually show up to the talking therapies because that was also part of the problem. If I was having a week where I didn't want to leave the house, I wasn't going to make it to therapy either. So I wasn't going to be able to make it to the thing that was there to help me. So medication, uh, especially even just like the low dose, was just almost like enough to relieve the pain enough to be able to go do something else that was really helpful. Yeah, that's a really great analogy, actually, about um, relieving the pain so that you can stretch your muscle. Um, And also kind of brings back the point that it might not be that one thing works. It's a multitude of things used in the right combination that works for different people. So, Hannah, is there anything that you'd wish you'd known before diagnosis that you know now that you sort of pass on to others to educate and say, you know, this this would really help or this is what you should know? I think the main thing is that it does get better because when you're first in that spot and you're feeling low, especially if it's a severe version, it could really feel like life is not going to get better. And no matter how many people will be like, it'll get better soon and we'll work for it, you're like, I adamantly did not believe them because I was like, you don't know what this is like. So anyone listening from someone else who's been there and suffered, it does get better. And also knowing that you can be quite a big part of that change, which can be very scary when you're in that space. But I also think it can be really empowering to know that you can make this change and you're not relying on other people to make it because when you're in that space, like the social aspect, having to talk to other people or manage other people can be can be very stressful and quite challenging. So it's, it's knowing that even if you don't feel like it, that you have it within you to make that change, even if it's in very, very small steps every day, um, it can get better yeah that's really great um louise do you have any sort of closing remarks i guess from kind of being aware of depression and mental health first aid anyone listening to this who's maybe noticed kind of a change in lifestyle and not just due to covid so maybe you used to be really sociable and that changed because you know we then weren't allowed out during lockdown that's different to if you actually notice not wanting to go out um so it's noticing that change in your behaviour and th- if you once loved doing something and now you can't think of anything worse and you don't want to do that anymore or you've also got it alongside some sleeping problems or you know you just feel a bit hopeless and a bit helpless then then just kind of be aware that it might be the start of something but like Hannah says as with all mental ill health there is options of recovery uh, you can recover from every kind of mental ill health um, with depression it might be a cycle so if you've had it before you might not have recognized the signs of you having it before and it might come back but that's fine if you've gone through it once you can always come out of it again so I guess it's a really positive story that whether it's a one-off thing for you or if it's kind of a rolling wave there's always the up at the end of it um, and just seek help I guess it could be just talking to a friend just saying look I'm starting to recognize the signs you know, I'm just letting someone know so that, you know, you can maybe check in on me. And then if it gets more serious, 
speak to your doctor or speak to a mental health first aider um, and just kind of don't be ashamed of it because with the statistics how they are we all know someone that's been through it um, so if that's you there's, there's no stigma there just try and seek the help you need and that's kind of the point of why we're doing these podcasts as well to talk about it more and hopefully normalize the conversation so that everyone who does need help can get it yeah absolutely and I think that goes back to the point of kind of having a support network in place whether that is friends family colleagues you know a GP um a a therapist that support network can take many different forms and when you do have that in place and it's strong and you can reach out to those people it can be a like a really great lifeline um if you're going through depression um but equally if that support network isn't in place it can also drive depression as well so recognizing what that means and how to keep those relationships or develop those relationships so that they are strong and you can use people to lean on in that way is I think really important um also because like as you were mentioning about the rolling side of it within the workplace is when someone does come to you and say that that's what they've got is making sure you go back and review it regularly because that's the other part of it where people are like oh they're having a struggling time and therefore they can't do this this and this and yeah, there's probably a period where they can't do those particular tasks, but there'll also be a period when they are better and you need to be able to go back and reevaluate that actually they can do those tasks again because that's the other side is people can see or when you tell someone, and I think this is part of the stigma around being able to tell people, it's the fear that they're going to see that about you forever and you're just going to be that person with that label. And so I think it's also really important as well as asking for help when it comes up and, and being open about it, but also continuing that conversation even after they're better to understand you know how they're doing how things are working what they're capable of because I definitely think that can be another side and I've had that before where people almost couldn't see past the fact that I had depression even though I was like 50 million times better and having to stop and have that conversation with them which which can be quite hard and upsetting depending on where you are on your journey so I think as a workplace as well it's important to recognize that it can be very cyclical um and it's important to know all the different stages and to support them according to the stage they're at rather than the stage they were at. Yeah, that's really important point. You can't just write someone off for, you know, a certain amount of time because that situation will change and they will get through it. They could go back into a state and you've really got to be close to that person and make sure that you understand you know, what they're going through to be able to make sure that you can either if they've been out of the workplace bring them back accordingly and make sure you're doing that in the right way um yeah that's a really good point and I think often a point that's forgotten you know we understand that they might have depression we do something to try and help solve that for them whether that's time off or reduced workload but then we don't reassess it regularly enough and we sort of leave it and we stamp them with well they've got depression um and you know that in itself can be quite difficult for people to deal with because then they don't get the sense of belonging back into the workplace that they need in also to help you know drive them and um, if that's a motivator in their life yeah exactly and i think yeah i think it's one of the things that's often overlooked but i also it's one of the things as well isn't it as we're moving through all these different parts like the first bit is really like being able to have the conversation about it in the first place but as companies are and people are working through all of that education and changing the workplace and it's important to also start recognizing those later stages of going back and and adapting everything but yeah yeah well hannah thank you 
so much for sharing your story and I think it's a massive educator for all our listeners um I mean and for Louise and I listening there's so many things there that we can take away just in terms of the signs of depression for individuals you know there's that increasing sense of withdrawal from certain things but then again it can be different depending on the person themselves um just making sure we have we ask the person what they need we give them the support that they require we make sure that we stick to that because we've got to make that commitment to people that we're going to help and we're going to help get them through it um and then also creating that culture to talk and to talk about the difficult you know conversations we might have and things about like medication if we talk about that more to try and reduce the stigma around it then we help it become more normal and how it should be viewed um so thank you so much again for joining us and well thank you to our listeners for tuning in and if anyone has any questions or any comments um please do email us at constructingmindsets@gmail.com thank you very much for listening <laughs>